Hi, everybody. My name is Sarah Lang, and I'm the founder of the Changemakers Playground, a place where we shine the light on ordinary people and organizations doing amazing things to help make the world a better place. When I'm not on the playground, you can find me working with nonprofits across the U.S. to raise more money, build better boards, brag about the great work they're doing, and planning for their future. Today, I'm interviewing Dan Holguin, who's a fitness coach and American Ninja Warrior contestant from Montana. Dan also runs a program called Ninja Kids, which is designed to help kids build their leadership skills, self-esteem, and confidence. Dan has always wanted to be a fitness coach, but for a really long time, he didn't think he could make it in the industry. After he experienced a tragedy, Dan felt even less confident in his ability to achieve his dreams. Today, Dan's an award-winning fitness coach. Listen in to learn how Dan turned things around and about the amazing work he's doing today. I guarantee you'll be inspired. Well, my name is Dan Holguin, and I'm a fitness coach to high performers, and I live right here in Kalispell, Montana. Excellent. It's beautiful, I have to say. Yeah. I'm jealous of where you live. Yes. Um, so how did you get to be a fitness coach? I know there's a backstory. So yeah, um, yeah. you want to share with us? There's a long backstory, but I'm going to give you like the condensed, uh, trimmed fat version of it. So fitness has always been my thing. Like, like if, if I look back on my entire life, the one constant that's always been there has been fitness. Um, it's always been my go-to solution for everything. And I remember when I first started, uh, I was about 17, 17 or 18 years old, and I was working out in this gym. And um, I noticed there were other people in the gym helping others as well. So I'm thinking, okay, this could be something that I could possibly do as a career. And so I remember going to the front desk at this gym and I'm like, hey, I would like to do whatever they're doing, which looks like personal training. And the owner of the gym said, well, do you have a certification? And at that time, I, I didn't know anything about that. And so obviously I said no. And he said, well, if you want to be a personal trainer, you have to be certified. So I'm thinking, okay. I got to go get certified. And then I started thinking about what are the things I may need to do in order to get certified. So I ended up going to a school. I moved to Colorado um, and went to a program called NPTI, which is National Personal Training Institute. And they certify people to, to work with others in gyms. And so that's where it really officially started um, was in 2007 with NPTI. And I got certified and then... Um, moved back to Montana and started my personal training career from there. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so what's different between sort of like that part of your career and what you're doing now? It's so much different. So for a lot of years, I worked in a personal training setting, meaning like I'm in a gym one-on-one -on -one with the clients and I'm helping them get in better shape and teaching them how to eat correctly. The difference between what I'm doing then and now is that now my specialty is being able to connect with people on um, like a more in-depth level in terms of how we approach the mindset behind a physical transformation. So a big part of what I do now is we discuss habits, behaviors, beliefs, and all of the, the major obstacles as to why people aren't making this a permanent lifestyle thing instead of just like a quick fix. Uh -huh. And I think that's the biggest difference between personal trainers and coaches is that we're able to go a lot deeper than just the surface level. Uh -huh. 
Yeah. So what's your backstory in terms of your own transformation between, you know, where you were then and where you are now? Yeah, I'm really proud of it. And so (laughs) I tell it like every time I can. Um, This goes back to like 2013. So I'm going to take you back a few years. Um, And at that time, like looking back, you know, I I led a pretty decent life. I mean, I was um, I was working in construction. So I wasn't in fitness at the time. I was working in construction. I was working long hours out of town, away from my family, but I was making really good money. And so at that time, I I justified it because it allowed us to live comfortably. Um, But I think looking back on it now, um, you know, I was really settling for less than I was worth, for sure. I knew I was. I knew I was. But I did it anyways Um, because I had to put food on the table and, you know, all that, all this stuff you got to do as a man for your family, whatever but I was settling. And yeah. so around so that story, were you telling yourself that, that allowed you to make that compromise? I'm just curious. The biggest story I told was that I couldn't possibly succeed as a personal trainer, as a fitness coach in Montana post recession, because the people wouldn't support it. Uh, there wouldn't be enough clientele. I could never make enough money doing it. You know, like all of the, Whatever I could think of, I would put that in front of just do it. You know what I mean? I would put that in front of just take an action. Yeah. So that was the story I was telling. Yeah. yeah. So, so what helped you move past that story? Like what catapulted you from being in that place where you were working construction and telling yourself that's what you had to do to kind of where you are now? Like what, yeah. what helped you make that shift? So around that same time that year, um, I went to go visit my longtime friend, my, my football coach, my mentor, my father figure, like this man was everything to me. Um, I went to visit him at his house and this is going to be like the long way around the answer, but here it is. Um, I went to visit him at his house one morning and uh, I got to the front door, started knocking, didn't, didn't hear an answer from him. So I run around to the side of the house, looked into the garage, noticed his truck was there. So I figured, okay, he's here. Maybe he's just still asleep. So I kept knocking a little bit harder this time. No answer. Um, and after a few minutes went by, like my anxiety started to rise. My, my stress level started to rise. I'm starting to think like, okay, this man's like mid sixties, obviously in great shape, but you know, he's a little bit older. So I thought maybe something had happened. And so, um, I ended up doing the only thing that I could think of in that moment. And it was like a, like, like an episode of cops. Like I just kicked the door in with my foot, like as, you know, as hard as I could got into the house, um, and immediately just started going around the house, looking for him, calling him. And then I went downstairs into his bedroom after not hearing from him and walked into his bedroom. Uh, and he was, he was in bed. And so at that time I was like, like, I thought something bad had really happened. Like something really bad had happened. So I'm like, coach, wake up, wake up. And I pull the blanket back and he's dead. Oh. And his, like the, the beginning of his death, um, sorry, his death was like the beginning of like the most difficult part of my life. Because at that time, you know, I, I never really believed in post-traumatic stress. I never really believed in depression because in my head, I thought, you know, we should be able to control our thoughts and our emotions because they're our thoughts and emotions, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that was, that was a huge humbling moment for me. And, and I'm, I'm getting to the answer to your question. I promise. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, but from the time that he died to the next six months, like that short window became like the lowest, darkest rock bottomist, uh, time of my life. And shortly after his death, I just remember not being able to have control over anything. Like I just, I was so shaken up by what had happened that <clears throat> over that time frame, I gained 30 pounds. Um, I stopped exercising. I stopped eating right. I stopped thinking right. I just stopped caring about my body and, and my health. Um, and on top of that, I thought that if I was to just buy things, now remember I'm making good money. So if I just buy things, stuff, that uh, that I'd feel better. And so I ended up literally spending every bit of money that I had. I, I had maxed out my credit cards. I had spent all of my savings. Um, I was literally down to no money. And so you can imagine I'm 30 pounds heavier. I've got a house full of stuff, but I'm still unhappy. I, and in fact, I'm even unhappier now than I was when I started. Because now I have no money and I have a family that I'm supposed to be taking care of, but yet I'm just buying things. So I'm heavy. <laughs> I have no money. Um, and then I end up losing my job because now I can't focus at work. I can't stay on track. I can't focus on the task. And my boss is like, you know what, man? You got to go. You got to go. So now I'll be, I've got all three of these things going on. Um, and at this point I'm engaged. I've been with my daughter's mom for seven years at this point. And prior to all of this happening, I proposed. So I'm engaged. And now because I can't think straight or, or handle myself, um, she, she calls off the marriage and asks me to leave the house. Oof. Yeah. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. And so it just seems like I just kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And to top all of that off, um, my truck was totaled in a, in a car accident. <laughs> it's like the, I, the icing and the sprinkles and the cherry on top of the cup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I literally had the, the, the groundwork laid for an award-winning country song yeah, all in exactly. like six months. <laughs> oh, man. You should write it. I know. I should. <laughs> it be a top, top seller, I'm sure. Oh, it would. Absolutely. So that's, that's the backstory to the answer to your question, which is right now. Yeah. So one day I get a call. This is six months later. I have nothing. Um, I'm, I'm, literally, I'm living at my mom's house. I'm living in her downstairs. And I get a call from my friend Ryan. And Ryan's like, hey, man, I know a guy that uh, wants to work with a personal trainer right now. He's looking to get in better shape. Do you want the job? Okay, now remember, at this point, I'm 30 pounds overweight. I'm living at my mom's. I have zero money. I'm feeling like right. this, this big. Right. But something in my heart in that moment said, go for it. Do it. Just do it. Just put yourself out there. And... It's 2013. Last time I was with a client was about the time that the big recession hit in 08. So I haven't been with a client in five years. Um, and on that phone call, I had my first paying client in five years, you know, in less than 30 seconds in that phone call. And I remember hanging up the phone with Ryan after I committed to it. 
And my stress and anxiety was literally like at this all time high because I had just committed to changing somebody else's life while my own was still in shambles. And for me, the big question was like, how am I going to rise from like the depths of hell and perform on a professional level again? Like I just, I just felt so far gone. Yeah. Yeah. So like what fears or challenges did you have to overcome in order to really show up for that first paying client? Well, here's, here's what's ironic about personal training and and being where I was is that you, it's almost like bad advertising to be out of shape winded, overweight, but also be trying to coach somebody to better health at the same time. Like you just can't have both. It's bad advertising. Right. 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 So fraud alert, fraud alert. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's hypocritical. And who's going to listen to that? So I think the biggest fears that I had to overcome first was that I needed to, I needed to put past the thought that I could never be where I used to be. I needed to get over the fear of actually just putting myself out there again and regaining control of my health. I needed to get past the fear that, um, that I was really just capable of all of it, being so far gone and so far removed. And I think, as I remember as soon as I hung up the phone with Ryan, like I, I just, I did the only thing I could think of at the moment, like I've got to get in better shape right now. Like I need to take action this second. So I hung up the phone and I immediately went out into the mountains and just went for a run. And it wasn't a long run because, you know, I'm like 30 pounds overweight, but I got out into the mountains and that was the first action step that I took in order to regain control of my health. Mm-hmm. And so did it get easier from there or did you have to kind of keep Ooh. like facing challenges and fears? Is every day. Yeah, it, it didn't get easier from there and it never does. So I remember like this the first two weeks of being back out in the mountains and starting to eat right. Um, every day was more challenging than the last for me specifically because, uh, you know, it sounds great to say that you take the first step and then the next step is easier. And then it, it wasn't that way for me because uh, I still had all of these negative fears and these beliefs that I could never do it. So every day that I put myself out there, uh, it was a great bit of motivation for me to do it, but it just felt like it was getting harder and harder because I was a little bit sore the next day. And then the next day, um, and then I just had all of these thoughts that would creep in. I said, why are you even doing this? Why are you even here? So no, it didn't get easier for me. It got harder. But what did get easier was the minute that I started noticing the little changes, those little changes gave me the most motivation and the most encouragement and confidence to continue the process. And those little things for me were sleeping a little bit better. Um, Another big win for me was whenever I would go out into the mountains, remember like I'm, I'm in my lowest point of my life. And so 24 hours out of the day, I'm thinking, terribly. But the one time during my day that I get to go out into the woods is like that little bit of clarity, that little bit of freedom. And that was huge for me that I could be out there and not have to think about anything negative in my head. It was, it was freedom. Awesome. Yeah. So are you still, do you find that you're still kind of like wrestling with monkey mind and negative thoughts and stuff, or do you feel like you're kind of over that? Well, and that's something that I coach a lot on is like, I think the, the belief out there, like the, the broad belief is that if somebody has like negative thoughts or these beliefs that 
tell them that they're less than. Um, I think like the, the broad idea is that if you just keep thinking positive, they'll go away. Mm-hmm. Like they'll just end up just moving out of the house and never come back. I don't think that's the way it is. I think that, I think that those beliefs will always be there. But the difference is that when you learn how to shift away from those negative thoughts and beliefs, that's when you regain control, regain power over them. I think they're always there, but we just need to be conscious of when they show up so that we can deal with them accordingly. Cool. Yeah. And so I still get them today, to be honest. Thank you for being honest. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't want to admit that it's kind of an ongoing struggle. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think being alive is all about learning and growing and peeling away the next layer, peeling away the next layer. Yes. You know, I mean, sometimes it's like, really? Yes. <laughs> but yes. yeah. So like, tell me, like, what is your vision? Like, what kind of difference do you want to make in the world now that you're kind of shifted away from this place and you feel like you're more in control of the way, you know, you're creating your life and you're living your life. So like, what? <laughs> What's your vision for life now? Okay, so coming out of this hole, um, you know, uh, let me put it to you like this. Let me paint a little picture. Have you ever been water skiing? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so picture me like overweight, out of shape, feeling like crap, and I'm sitting in the water and I got this boat that's trying to pull me up onto my skis. Like I'm in that kind of hole and it takes so much for this boat to power me up out of the hole to get up onto the water. Like that's how, that's how I felt is like, I was so heavy and so low that it was going to take everything I had to come out. And when I finally did get up on the skis, like that was the, the most confident I've ever felt in my entire life. And that was really when I put together this vision of what I had for my life. And so um, it's, it's quite ambitious. Um, I'd like to help a hundred million people. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so the, the vision question is one that I'm really passionate about. I'd like to help 100 million people lead a more meaningful, healthy-minded, and physically fit lifestyle. Cool. Yeah. So what are the ways you plan to do that aside from sort of like, I know, I know you're doing coaching with entrepreneurs around yes. sort of fitness and health, but what are some of the other things you're doing to reach that sort of like 100 million mark? Like that's I know. amazing. I know. It's a lot. It's a lot yeah. for sure. So like, what a great vision. Yeah. Thank you. The biggest ways I'm doing it or the, the, the mediums that I see to do it on our podcast, which is coming soon. Um, I would like to write a book in the near future as well. All of my videos that I do some tips on that. Yes, you can. I'll definitely make sure I'm coming to you for it. Um, I do video series for Facebook, for YouTube, for all of my social channels. And through the videos um, is one major way that I'm able to reach so many different people. Um, But another way I can really help to reach is through my courses and my coaching. And because I'm specifically working with entrepreneurs and high performers, people that also have large audiences, you know, if I can help one entrepreneur help grow his audience or help improve his life or her life so that he can share with his or her audience, then my whole hundred million vision is, you know, is doubled or tripled because now I'm helping a group of people. And so that's one of the biggest reasons why I want to work with people in that space in the high performer entrepreneur space. Yeah. I was kind of wondering like what's with the entrepreneur thing, but now I get it. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. If I can help one person, they're going to help a ton of people. So right, right. right. Cool. So tell me about like the work you do with young people, because I find that really interesting. I okay. so working with kids is like one of the the biggest, uh, most rewarding things I do. And I'm a competitor on American Ninja Warrior. It's a show on NBC that uh, showcases athletes from all over the country. And we do all of these crazy monkey obstacles where you're hanging by your fingertips or swinging around. It's crazy. Um, But my first season that I was there, I remember being a nobody on the show. Like nobody knew who I was. I was just a guy behind the set warming up. And I remember as I'm warming up, I have one of the hosts and Matt comes down and he's like, hey, Holguin, there's a couple kids out here that want to talk to you. And so remember, nobody knows who I am, but I go out and talk to these kids and they're just struck by, by me being there. And I just thought that was so powerful for them to not even know who I was, to be so impacted by a show and by a movement um, that I wanted to be able to bring that experience back to my community. And so what I did is I created a program called Ninja Kids. And Ninja Kids is what first started out as just me showing kids how to do obstacles that they would see on TV, turned out to be a full-blown mentorship program for young kids age 7 to 11. And so the work that I do with them is we just talk about real things. Like when, when the parents bring the kids in, um, I just ask the parents, I ask them, what are they struggling with most right now? What do you feel like they need the most guidance on, the most mentoring on? And then I ask the kids. And so we just have these real discussions every time they come in. And I just ask them, you know, what's going on in their life right now? And most of the time, kids are struggling with um, being bullied with um, spending too much time on social media or not knowing the dangers and the benefits of social media. They struggle with self-confidence, self-esteem. And so we just talk about this stuff because I think that a lot of times, especially in the area that I live in, there isn't enough guidance and teaching on the soft skills, the emotional intelligence, the social intelligence. And so if I can provide that for them, then they're just going to be so much uh, greater leaders as they grow up. Yeah, I have to say that like every time you post a story or a video about like the work you're doing with the kids, it just like makes me yes. Because God, this is what kids need, right? Like, like you and I are doing that for our own kids as parents, right? Although I'm at 21, there's some you know my son doesn't quite need me the same way, but still your baby. Yeah, he is. (laughs) He's always going to be my baby, right? But you know, kids crave that they need it. And it's stuff that most parents don't talk to their kids about because they, they may not know what kind of guidance and advice to give them. But I just think it's so amazing that you just keep it so real with these kids. And it's so clear to me that there's a real hunger for that from them. And the other thing that I love that you do with kids is you get them to mentor each other. Right. So it's not just this on the adult. I know I'm going to tell you it's about fostering leadership among the kids and getting them to collaborate and cooperate and mentor each other. Like and to me, that is like so amazing because a lot of times it's kids are on the receiving end of what we adults think they quote need. But kids know what they need and they know how to give it to each other. They just sometimes need some facilitation. So like 
I think the work you're doing with kids is like so mega inspiring to me. Like, God, it just makes me so happy. I think it's great that you're working with adults too, but like, I just, I just feel like there's this real hunger among kids to really get like real life stuff from us adults, you know? And so the fact that you can be honest about like that, that whole story you told about fear of heights and how you landed on your back and then you landed on your face and you climbed up the cliff again and your friends are just like, Oh man, give up. It's okay. And you're like, no, I'm going to do this. Like, you know, you have no idea how that's going to impact them the next day, the next week, the next month, five years from now, you know, it's like, you know, you're giving them such a gift by giving them yourself in this sort of like raw, honest form doing like you're being fully present with them. And I just think that's so freaking amazing. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I love, I love it. It just is so inspiring to look at the stuff you're doing with the kids. I'm just going to keep doing it as long as I can, because it brings me so much joy to to do that. Yeah. And it's clear. I mean, like you, you, like even right now you're like lit up. It's so, yeah, Yeah. it's great to see you on fire with this stuff. Thank you. So speaking of your work with adults, you just won an award for being the best fitness coach in Montana, didn't you? Yes, I did. I did. How's that feel? Um, So that, that felt really good. Um, the cool thing is with where I'm at there, there are a lot of different fitness coaches here all over the state, Montana, Although we may not have the same population as some of these bigger cities, um, there are still a ton of people here, and there's a lot of fitness that goes on in Montana. And so, um, when I got the the email about that, uh, I was ecstatic. I thought that was great. And I, what's cool about it too is that I had got letters from a few people that I hadn't seen or worked with in years, just send me messages out of the blue saying, "Hey, congratulations for this." Um, you know, and I keep those letters in a drawer in case I ever need to go back and look yeah. on them, you know, for inspiration. But that felt really good to know um, that my message is getting out there and that people are listening and people are learning. And um, yeah, it, yeah, it was great motivation. Yeah. Well, and it's just funny because, you know, a few minutes ago, you're talking about how like, oh, I here I am. I'm, who am I to be a fitness coach? I'm never going to make it, right? right? Like, and here you are getting this amazing award, right? Exactly. So I just, I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so all those beliefs that were going through my head about not being able to make it, you yeah. know, it, there's yeah. lies. They're lies. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty incredible. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so okay. what inspires you? I think that one of the biggest things that I draw my inspiration from is the mountains, to be honest with you, because, um, I remember when I was at like this really low spot in my life that we talked about earlier. And the one thing that allowed me to have freedom from all of that negativity and everything that I was feeling was just being able to reconnect and spend time in nature. And that's when I found that I was able to draw the majority of my inspiration, my creativity, my, my ideas for what I wanted to do and, and all of that. So I would say that the mountains for sure. And then the next thing that falls in line after that would just be the underdog because I feel like for the majority of my life, um, I've been an underdog. I've been the kid that was bullied. I've been the, the undersized kid, the freckle faced kid that didn't really have, you know, a lot of friends. And so I like to rally and associate with those people as well. Cool. Um, who are some of the people that you respect and admire and look up to and why? Um, 
I think the biggest person that comes to mind right off the bat is Coach C. Um, and that was the man that we talked about earlier, the man that, that was my best friend and mentor that I lost. But I respect that man so much because not only has he come from like such a decorated past and, and things that he's been able to work through, but he's just been such a model father, a model leader, a model coach and athlete. And like all of these things that I want to be, he has already done. And so to me, that was just a huge inspiration to have this man so close to me and him just willing to download all of that into me as well. So Coach C is definitely the man. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's so great you had someone in your life like that. And, and you know, like we were talking about earlier off camera, um, it, it just kind of fell into place that way. I just so happened to show up to a practice one day where he just so happened to be there as a first year coach. And we just hit it off like that. And so, yeah, yeah there are no, there are no accidents for sure. <laughs> right. People come into your life for a reason, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes they leave for a reason too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yep. You know, I think about when I'm working with my clients and we spend all of this time together and, and we learn from each other and, and they're able to get to this point where, they feel like they need me and I need them in, in our lives to, to continue on. And then all of a sudden we get to this point where it's like, you know what? We can separate. I can still be here for you, but we can go our separate ways. And I think it's in that moment where it's like, okay, this is happening for a reason. Like we need to go our separate ways to show each other that we can do just fine with all of the knowledge that we've already learned from each other. And I think that that's just part of the cycle. And, uh, and I'm really yeah. grateful for yeah. Well, yeah. it also makes room for somebody new to step in, right? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and then it goes to like, sort of my next question is sort of like, what are your long-term goals and like, what do you want to do? And um, who do you want to help? Like, so I know you have this massive goal of like yeah. all these people. So like with people leaving and moving on, that's actually really cool. Cause that helps you have that kind of impact you want to have right so yeah, absolutely absolutely and and part of like one of the big goals I have is like you just said to help a lot of people like a hundred million is is the goal um but when I know that when I focus on people that are in a in a leadership position people that are in business or are coaches I know that even though I just help that one person that once we go our separate ways they're going to continue to help other people and help other people and so everything just compounds from there downhill and so um I know for a fact that if I can just continue to help, even if it's just one person at a time, that what we learn together is going to get passed on to their clients and the people in their own circle as well. Yeah. And I also think sometimes it can be really hard to kind of gauge your impact because, you know, I, I was thinking about like, like, God, that story you put on Instagram this morning with that father and the son reunited. I was like yeah. bawling my eyes out. Absolutely. And, Same here. Yeah. Right. And, uh, <laughs> You know, like my father was there, but there were some limitations that he had in terms of being able to be present. Um, yes. And and so even though physically he was there, I think in a lot of ways, emotionally, he was not there. Gotcha. Um, so I think that's why I was like really like bawling over it, like, oh, because it was resonating really strongly for me. But like even things like that, you have you and I have no idea like what that did for somebody else. Do you know what I mean? I, like, yes. You know, but I, and I think you and I are similar in this is just, you know, have, we have this commitment to just putting positivity out into the world. 
Yeah. Because we know yeah. it's going to, even if it only touches one person, like that's all that matters, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It mattered that for that one person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and that story that I posted, um, you know, that affected me in so many different ways. And And what I didn't add in that post is that, you know, my father and I are really close today. Like we made amends. Yeah. I definitely had more on my end that I had to work through, but yeah. um, he's a huge part of my life now. And so I, I think that I'm, I'm really grateful for that because a lot of people don't get to reconcile, you know, their fathers right. never come back. Um, so I'm just, I'm just grateful to have him in my life now. Yeah. 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 I have a same thing for me. Like my, my dad and I are really, really close and I oh, okay. see him once a month. Yeah, he lives. Nice. Uh, yeah, he lives eight hours away in Maryland. Um, okay, but yeah, I've, he's eighty-four and he's not doing great. Um, right. So I just have made this commitment to go down and see him every single month. Gotcha. So, yeah, I've been doing that since April, and it just—I don't know. There's just something like that being with him that frequently, and I go down. I try to go down for like four or five days at a time, and just kind of being with him in for not any particular special occasion, but just like helping him do stuff around the house yeah. or, you know, going with him to the dump to take his garbage or whatever. It's like, I don't know. It's, it kind of reminds me back to the relationship that he and I had when I was a kid, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he, I played on all these soccer teams and he was the one that drove me to practice. And like when I was on the state team in Pennsylvania, our practice yeah. was an hour and a half away from the house. Wow. So, yeah, he would drive me an hour and a half each way twice a week. And wow. then drove me to all the tournaments and like paid all my uniform and league fees and plane fare for like when I went to national tournaments and stuff. So like it kind of just now I feel like I'm kind of getting him back at a level where I did when I was a kid. So it's kind of cool. Well, and what's special about that is even all these years later, you yeah. remember the little things that he did, like drive you 90 minutes to a practice twice a week. You know what I mean? Yeah, that wasn't little. That was huge. <laughs> yeah. But even things yeah. like just taking you to practice are, are so important. And, yeah. and after talking with you as much as I have, like I realize that you have a high level of awareness. And I can imagine that the, the relationship that you guys used to have where maybe he wasn't as present as you would have liked him to be, I would imagine that that has made you more aware of the fact of how important it is to be that for your son, right? Oh, yeah, Cause, absolutely. Because I see your posts with your son, and you're, you're always so happy to be out to lunch with him or be spending time with him. Yeah. Like, that's so important. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I do really, like, the whole reason I started my company is because I became a single parent when he was two. You know? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I've been a single mom since he was two years old. He's 21 now. Okay. And I just got tired of the rat race. You know what I mean? Like, I just felt yes. like I was rushing to daycare, dropping him off, rushing to my job, getting through my day, rushing back from there to daycare, coming home, like trying to like make dinner, unpack the lunch boxes, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And like, yes. you know, getting him to bed, but kind of rushing through all of it and not being present. Because yeah. it was always about what's the next thing on my to-do list. And I right. remember one time I was doing laundry at like one o'clock in the morning. And I just like had this total breakdown, like crying. Like, I cannot believe this is my life. <laughs> like, I just remember sitting on the basement floor sobbing, thinking like, okay, I, this isn't how I want to move forward. Like, this is not, yeah. this is not like the next chapter of my life can't look like this. This it is just. cannot look yeah. like this. <laughs> no, no. 
like doing laundry at one o'clock in the morning is serving no one. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But more, more underwear the next day, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not, not anything that, that you'd be proud of in the long term. No. Yeah. Yeah. So like for me, starting my company was about being able to live my life the way I wanted to live it and putting parenting first and really being able to be present with my son. Right. Which is so important. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get one shot as a parent, you know, and like, I think this is one of the gifts my dad kind of gave me, not even directly, but like he was a lawyer and he he used to work like 80 hours a week. Yeah. You know, and um, that I just, for me, it was like, I appreciate how hard he worked because you know, he put me, my older brother, me and my twin brother through college. None of us had to take out loans. Wow. Yeah. Like yeah. so much gratitude for that, you know? And, you know, so it's, I have a lot of ad- respect and admiration for how hard he worked to make things yeah. like that possible. And that was not what I wanted for me. You know, I just right. wasn't willing to, and not to say I've never put in an 80 hour week, but you know, yes. um, it's on my terms and my time, not, you know, so that I could rearrange and shuffle things. I didn't have to go ask a boss, oh, can I go to the orchard today with my son's kindergarten exactly. class? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that freedom is so special. Um, I remember last, it was actually now it was about two years ago. Um, I was working a very similar schedule to what you just described, like long hours, even though I was still working in personal training and coaching, um, I was working like 45, 50 hour weeks because I was just trying to take on as much as I could to catch up for everything that I had missed or that I thought I had missed. Um, And my kid had daycare or excuse me, not daycare. Um, She had volunteer days on Thursday and I couldn't go to the volunteer days because I was swamped at work. And I remember when I finally got to this point where I was making enough money, um, I finally took off Tuesdays and Thursdays from being with clients. And having that little bit of freedom to just walk in that first day to to her volunteer day um, was like such a huge moment in my life. Like I just sat right outside the door before I went into the building underneath the flagpole. And I just like had to record a video on it because I was just feeling really grateful and uh, it was just such a, a good moment to finally be able to say that I'm going to call the shots in my life now. And it begins today. Right, right. And that's just such a good feeling. Yeah. Well, and the, and the thing that like when I catch myself, you know, telling myself stories like that, it's like, oh, like I could have like gotten rid of this story a long time ago. <laughs> like, yes. The story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes it's just like, I just want to, you know, uh, but um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, we we come to awareness when we come to awareness. But um, right. yeah, it just, it's like, when I discover stuff like that, I'm like, oh, another story. Oh, another yeah. story. Because yeah. like, honestly, we can honestly do whatever we want, whenever we want. Like that, sure. we are always in choice every minute of every day, you know? So, right. so you know, it's not like I'm going to tell everybody, oh, yeah, quit your job and, you know, go live like a hippie or whatever. But, you know, right. like, you have a lot more choice than you think you do, you know, and a lot more power than you think you do. And right, right. And you have the opportunity to either live in this place of freedom, or you have this place of the opportunity to live in this place of fear. And obviously, you know, freedom is the way that we all want to live. But so many of us choose to live in fear, because, um, you know, either it was ingrained in us from an early age, or 
we've just got to this point where we don't feel like we're capable of doing anything. And like that has been my story for the majority of my life. Yeah. So, and I completely understand it. But if we can just take one minute to just think about the possibility of what if, you know, that could be a really powerful thing to bring awareness around that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I wonder, like when you're saying that, like, do you run into that a lot with your clients in terms of the, that, that they hit these sort of barriers that they think are there and it turns out they're not really barriers? Yeah, absolutely. I think that probably every one of them that come to me in the beginning have some sort of like fear-based lifestyle that they're living. Um, and most of the time, it's the fear that what am I going to do with my ideal body and this ideal lifestyle that I want to lead? Will I be able to maintain it? You know, that's the, that's the big scare for everybody is, okay, this is great that I'm, that I'm working with you, but can I maintain? Mm -hmm. So at that point, you know, we have to be able to shift away from that mindset of fear and kind of venture into the land of possibility. And, and, and so that's usually where we start. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. So where do you want to be in like a year, two years? I know you're a short-term planner, so I don't want to go too far down the road here, but yeah. so where do you, what are some of your, uh, your goals and aspirations for the next couple of years? All right. Well, I'll give you a personal goal that that's coming up pretty soon for me in the next four months. Um, I'm going to be traveling to South America to climb Machu Picchu. It's a Incan, ancient Incan civilization at the high, high mountain. Um, and so I'm really excited about that coming up. But what's going to be cool about that is at that point, I'm going to be able to just be entirely full-time online. Um, I'm not going to have to be at any one place any longer. And so I'm going to be able to be in South America and be able to run my business and still have the same level of impact. So I'm really excited to be able to be entirely online at that point and still be able to travel and do all of these things that I want. So. So that's, that's what comes to mind first. But I think like one of the, the bigger goals that I'm working towards right now is getting to this point where I can, I can just be creating more content based on helping high performers get the body of their dreams, have their ideal lifestyle. Um, I want to be able to just develop more of a system that's going to allow me to, um, to make that happen. And so that's what I'm excited about. I'm working with a new team. I just brought on two other people that are going to help me do that as well. So I'm excited. Team Dan. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think, you know, thinking about like, what does the whole process look like and, 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 you know, how do you get somebody from like A to B and then when they've gotten to a certain point, how do you take them to the next level and the next, like, yeah, yeah I mean, I, it's so funny because I'm thinking about very similar things in my own business about doing way more speaking and training and less of the one-on-one -on -one stuff and, right. you know, directing people to my online content. Yeah. So yeah. It, and for me, it's more about, you know, doing more of the change makers playground, you know, like yeah. getting out Which there. Which I love the idea of, by the way. Yeah. Uh, thanks. It. Thanks. I'm actually really juiced about it. It's like, yeah. Every person I interview is like, gets me so excited. Like, oh, look at <laughs> all this great stuff that's going on in the world. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just feel like the world just needs this. It needs this injection of positivity, you know? So um, well, we, need, we need more leaders too. I mean, that's, yeah. 
you know, like we were just talking about a minute ago when you were talking about your, your laundry at 1am story, like so many people live in this place of either focusing on the, the past or focusing on the future and not right here in the moment. And I think that having that awareness needs to come from more leaders teaching it to us. And so yeah. I see that Changemakers Playground is going to do a lot for people to raise that awareness. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually had a really cool moment in my class yesterday where, you know, talk about like mask off. Right. So yeah. um, I'm the part of the course we're in now is about kind of like social enterprise and how nonprofits can create, you know, little businesses to support, you know, create revenue and, I made them go off and research like little uh, social ventures and like, just think about building one for their organization. So they had to do like a little presentation on the social entrepreneur they had found. And this one woman found this group called um, headbands for for hope, or maybe it's headbands of hope. Anyway, it's this um, woman who sells headbands online. And for every headband you buy a little girl who's undergoing cancer treatment gets a headband cool and there's like yeah it's so cool and cool yeah like just amazing right like little girl's lost her hair she gets a <laughs> headband right it's just i love like, that i know so my student is up there she has a four-year-old daughter she's crying because she's like oh i think about like what if this was my daughter and like so then she's crying so now i'm crying other people <laughs> in the class are crying i was like Okay, so you know, there goes my prophecy. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I had an honest conversation with them about like being in the nonprofit sector and like self care and how you know when you're in the nonprofit sector, your energy is constantly going out, 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 out. Right. And, like how important it is for you to say no, not bring work home, do things even at your desk. Yes. A couple times a day, whether it's getting up and stretching or going and getting yourself a cup of tea or putting in your earbuds and listening to an inspirational podcast for five minutes or some beautiful music or closing your eyes, like whatever it is, you need to like feed your soul or you're yeah. just going to go to burnout. And, um, you know, I, you know, just, I know you go out to the mountains when you're like, that's your fuel. Right. So, yes. you know, encouraging people to find that for themselves and like they're, their happy spaces and spots. Yeah, definitely. And I think that one way that we can do it on a small scale, like you were just talking about being at your desk um, and going from task to task, I think that one way that we can really kind of bring a little bit of peace within and generate more energy so that we can make this long-term is how we handle the transitions from our day-to-day life. So let me give you an example. Like when you wake up in the morning and you're lying in bed and you're just kind of coming to your senses Right when you go to, say, go to the bathroom or get up, that's a transition. When you're sitting at your desk and you finish one task and you're transitioning to the next task, that's another transition. And so if you think about like all of these things that we do throughout our day, there's transitions between each one. And I think that one way that we can make sure that we're bringing our best intention and and our, our best focus to that next task is by just like taking a moment before we transition and just like thinking about for like, even if it's like 60 seconds, just thinking about, okay, I'm going to release everything right now and just let go of all of the energy, all of the focus that I had on this last task. And I'm just going to let that go right now. And so you could repeat a phrase and it could be 
It could just be like release or let it go. Like I personally just repeat, let it go in my head over and over. And it may sound kind of like hippie trust fall ish. Uh, but if I can just take a minute to focus on releasing everything that I just focused on for a minute and then taking another minute right after that and thinking, okay, now that I've released this, how do I want to show up in this next task? How do I want to best prepare myself for this next task? And what I've found is by taking those two minutes to let it go and then refocus on how I want to show up, it's really allowed me to bring my best intention and my best foot forward into it. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to say that. <laughs> and, and like I said, like it sounds hippie-ish, but it, yeah. I mean, it works. It works and it works for me. So yeah. Well, you know what it reminds me of, and this is probably a weird analogy, but it reminds me of the palate cleansers at restaurants, right? So you oh, have one okay. course and they bring you this like palate cleanser, which is usually like a, some sort of sorbet and it like yeah. clears your palate for the next course. So you can be Perfect. fully present and enjoy that next course. Right. So right. that's right. what and it you is. Know, You're doing right. <laughs> exactly. And you don't have any leftovers from the previous. Exactly. You've cleared yeah. it all out. Yeah. I'm going to start doing that. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah. So what lessons or thoughts do you want to share with people? I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, um, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier when this year when I won the award for best trainer in Montana. Um, Yay! Yeah, it, it was great, right? But what was a, a big lesson for me in that moment was Leading up to that point, before I got back into coaching and personal training, I never believed that living in the state that I do, that people would support this vision, that people would support the idea of me being a coach. Um, and I lived in this place of like not feeling worthy enough of having it. And then to see it actually happen just like two or three years after I started was such a huge realization that I think I'm capable of more than I think. And maybe instead of just putting myself down and, and holding myself back, that if I just like step into this realm of possibility, that maybe if my efforts are focused and consistent, that these things can happen. And so the first one would just be to, to just realize that you're capable of so much more than you currently believe. And if you just put one foot forward or just take one extra step, I think that it can really make a difference in how you see yourself and what it is you're trying to accomplish. And then another one, um, it's actually just happened. I was, I was just in Jamaica and um, I had gone up to this village and this village probably had just a couple hundred people. It was about 40 miles from town. There was no Wi-Fi. There's no water heaters. Like it was very primitive. And I had came with a friend of mine and all of a sudden it just started downpouring like crazy. You know how it is in the Caribbean, like these storms just come out of nowhere. So there's this group of young kids, probably like five or six year old kids. And they had just got out of school and they're just super cute. Like they all had like the same uniforms on and, and cute little backpacks. And as it started raining, all of these kids, there was probably about 12 of them all ran underneath um, like this awning to, to protect themselves from the rain. And so did myself and my friend. Now, if you can think of uh, a village in Jamaica in the hills, I would imagine that these kids probably hadn't seen many people that weren't black because of the way 
that they were looking at me and I could feel there was a little bit of tension there. And I had to figure out a way to break the ice with these kids. Okay. And I'm getting to the lesson, I promise. I had to figure out a way to break the ice with these kids. And obviously the roads aren't paved. So there's just a, a gravel road. So I grab a rock that I found on the ground and I put this rock in my hand and I have both of my hands closed. And I called all of the kids over to where I was and I opened up both of my hands and in one of them was a rock and the other one there wasn't. So I closed my hands and I started just like moving my hands around, putting them behind my back. And then I said, okay, which hand is the rock in? And one of the kids pointed to one of the hands and I opened it up and there was the rock. And they all just exploded like it was the coolest thing they'd ever seen. And after a couple minutes of playing this game with these kids, they started picking up rocks off the ground. Or they were having me hand them a rock one at a time until every kid had a rock. And by that time, all of the kids were moving their hands around and putting them behind their back and playing the game with each other. And then they wanted to play the game with me. And so I'm, I'm picking hands from all of these different kids that had just two minutes ago uh, been really standoffish with me. And here's the lesson, is that kids nowadays are looking for someone to look up to. Like we all want to believe in something. We all want to be led to something. And I think that if we can just take an extra moment to realize that kids are listening and watching and learning from us in so many more ways than we realize. And it's so important that we are really conscious about how we carry ourselves, how we present ourselves, and how we show up for them in our life. Yeah. And it was just a powerful realization for me, like right in that moment to see that something as simple as a, you know, a little magic trick with a rock can inspire somebody to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, we've talked about this already, but I just, I love the way you are with youth. I just, I love the fact that you're just, real with them and authentic and vulnerable and you just you're so present with them you know and um and it's so clear to me I mean just like the notes they write to you and oh yes yeah (laughs) right I mean doesn't that just make your day it makes your life right like absolutely absolutely yeah. yeah I just I I just love it when people can just really get real with kids and be real with kids because they're so hungry for that they are. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember I, I was talking to my son when he was about 12, 13, and I was talking to him about some stuff that was a little bit heavy. And he's like, why didn't you tell me this like three years ago when I was 10? <laughs> and I was like, well, because I thought you probably weren't kind of ready to listen to this at 10. He goes, oh, no, I could have totally listened to this at 10. <laughs> yeah. Another reminder that, you know, kids can handle more than we think they can. Absolutely. And they're developing at such a quicker pace than we did, you know? I, know. I mean, just just today, uh, Daisha, my kid, had the birds and the bees talk. And she's 10, yeah. you know? So, uh, yeah, it's important to have those conversations when they're young. Yeah. I yeah. Did you have the talk with her? I did not. Uh. I didn't have the talk. No, I didn't, but I will definitely add to it once I see her again. Yeah. 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 I've always been super open with Christopher about everything. That's great. Um, yeah. And even That's now great. when he's 21, like he just started dating somebody 
about a year and a half ago. And the first time he wanted her to sleep over, I sat them down and I was having very frank discussions with them about like, I'm I'm not, I know exactly what's going on up there. And I want to make sure (laughs) that you're both pretty clear about being responsible about like, this is a no baby zone. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. I got too much going on for grandkids at this moment. (laughs) I am too young to be a grandma. Um, yeah, but I've been having that conversation with him and his current girlfriend who when you know, cause and my friends are like, you let her sleep over. I'm like, they're going to do it in the backyard in the car. Like they might right. as well just right. like, let's just be real that it's happening yeah. and yeah. have open conversations about it. But you know, like, you know, his girlfriend was kind of like looking at him like, I can't believe your mother's <laughs> well and what's great about that is he is going to be that way with his kids yeah you know because you were so open and that cycle will continue to repeat itself which is great you know right. so i right. think that's awesome that you're that you're willing to do that yeah and you know i just i just want him to be comfortable in his own body i want him to be yes. comfortable with his sexuality i want him yes. I want his partners to like, I want him to be a good sexual partner, like, you yes. know, the women on yeah. the receiving end, you know, like I, and I, I want him to really, so I've always talked to him about condoms, consent and communication, you know, like, yes. I like that from the time he was probably 10. Yeah. You know? I like that. Yeah. When he was young enough to look at me, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get in here early. I'm going to get in That's here. That's awesome. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, and like unfortunately he ended up with a an STD. We'll probably edit this out of the video, but sure. um, you know, the summer before last, he like just came down and told me what was going on, very matter-of-factly, very open with me. And I said, Well, sounds like you should go see your doctor because it sounds like yeah. you have a urinary tract infection or an STG. Neither yeah. of you want. So yeah. um he like called his pediatrician, he didn't have any shame about it. You know, and then he went and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I have this. And they put him on, you know, uh, moxicillin or whatever. And he was fine. And I said, OK, yeah. you have to talk to your girlfriend because this is clearly where you got it, which yes. means she's a carrier and she needs to get treated. I said, and you remember the conversations we've had about condoms? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mom was right. <laughs> That's right. This is why I'm not going to say I told you so, but, you yeah. know, um, <laughs> but it just was like. To me, like that was such. Uh, even though I, you know, nobody wants their kid to have an STD, it was like such a great reflection of our relationship that he could just come down into the kitchen yes. that morning, yes. tell me what was going on with his body, not feel any shame about it, call his doctor, talk to his girlfriend about it in a really mature way. Yes. Um, like it was just like I was like, yeah, this is what I want for him, you know. Yes. So. I'm I'm glad the the talk has started when she's ten. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, she's tall and beautiful. I know. I, I know. know. I know. Oh, dude, the next five years are gonna kill you. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah. <laughs> breathe. That's all I have to say. Just breathe. You will be I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing my best. I know you always do. Thank you. So are there any specific like calls to action you want to make to people who are watching this video? You know, I would just love to be able to connect with people watching on social media. I think that's one of the best ways to get in touch with me right now. Um, 
I'm most active on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. So if you want to connect with me, you can visit me on any one of those three sites just by typing in my name, Dan Holglin. Um, you're if you're on Facebook, yeah, so it's just Dan, D-A-N. And my last name's tricky. So it's like... That's why I figured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's H-O-L-G-U-I-N. And I do yeah. a, a video series on Facebook on a regular basis. I also do one on YouTube as well. But yeah, connect with me on any one of those platforms. I would love to hear what you had to say about the, the episode today and, and just be able to, to talk with you a little bit. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for yes. spending time with me. Yes, it's absolutely. Been a total blast. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Thank and you for having me. I appreciate you. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much. Nice to be appreciated. Yes. All right, Dan, have a great day. And thanks you for, um, you know, re recording this with me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no problem. No <laughs> problem. Right. Great. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Yeah, you too. Yeah, All right. See you All right. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us on the Changemakers Playground today. I hope you're feeling as inspired as I am by the work that our changemakers are doing. Stay tuned for future episodes. And remember, each one of us has the power to be a changemaker. Hi, everybody. My name is Sarah Lang, and I'm the founder of the Changemakers Playground, a place where we shine the light on ordinary people and organizations doing amazing things to help make the world a better place. When I'm not on the playground, you can find me working with nonprofits across the U.S. to raise more money, build better boards, brag about the great work they're doing, and planning for their future. Today, I'm interviewing Dan Holguin, who's a fitness coach and American Ninja Warrior contestant from Montana. Dan also runs a program called Ninja Kids, which is designed to help kids build their leadership skills, self-esteem, and confidence. Dan has always wanted to be a fitness coach but for a really long time, he didn't think he could make it in the industry. After he experienced a tragedy, Dan felt even less confident in his ability to achieve his dreams. Today, Dan's an award-winning fitness coach. Listen in to learn how Dan turned things around and about the amazing work he's doing today. I guarantee you'll be inspired. Well, my name is Dan Holglin, and I'm a fitness coach to high performers, and I live right here in Kalispell, Montana. Excellent. It's beautiful, I have to say. Yeah. I'm jealous of where you live. Yes. Um, so how did you get to be a fitness coach? I know there's a backstory. So yeah, um, yeah. you want to share with us? There's a long backstory, but I'm going to give you like the condensed uh, trimmed fat version of it. So fitness has always been my thing. Like, like if, if I look back on my entire life, the one constant that's always been there has been fitness. Um, it's always been my go-to solution for everything. And I remember when I first started, uh, I was about 17, 17 or 18 years old, and I was working out in this gym. And um, I noticed there were other people in the gym helping others as well. So I'm thinking, okay, this could be something that I could possibly do as a career. And so I remember going to the front desk at this gym, and I'm like, hey, I would like to do whatever they're doing, which looks like personal training. And the owner of the gym said, well, do you have a certification? And at that time, I, I didn't know anything about that. And so obviously, I said no. And he said, well, if you want to be a personal trainer, you have to be certified. So I'm thinking, okay, I got to go get certified. And then I started thinking about what are the things I may need to do in order to get certified. So I ended up going to a school, I moved to Colorado, 
um, and went to a program called NPTI, which is National Personal Training Institute. And they certify people to, to work with others in gyms. And so that's where it really officially started um, was in 2007 with NPTI. And I got certified and then um, moved back to Montana and started my personal training career from there. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so what's different between sort of like that part of your career and what you're doing now? It's so much different. So for a lot of years, I worked in a personal training setting, meaning like I'm in a gym one-on-one with the clients and I'm helping them get in better shape and teaching them how to eat correctly. The difference between what I'm doing then and now is that now my specialty is being able to connect with people on um, like a more in-depth level in terms of how we approach the mindset behind a physical transformation. So a big part of what I do now is we discuss habits, behaviors, beliefs, and all of the, the major obstacles as to why people aren't making this a permanent lifestyle thing instead of just like a quick fix. Uh-huh. And I think that's the biggest difference between personal trainers and coaches is that we're able to go a lot deeper than just the surface level. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what's your backstory in terms of your own transformation Ooh. between you know, where you were then and where you are now. Yeah, I'm really proud of it. And so <laughs> I tell it like every time I can. Um, this goes back to like 2013. So I'm gonna take you back a few years. Um, and at that time, like looking back, you know, I, I led a pretty decent life. I mean, I was, um, I was working in construction. So I wasn't in fitness at the time. I was working in construction. I was working long hours out of town, away from my family but I was making really good money. And so at that time, I justified it because it allowed us to live comfortably. Um, But I think looking back on it now, um, you know, I was really settling for less than I was worth, for sure. I knew I was, I knew I was, but I did it anyways. Um, Because I had to put food on the table and, you know, all that, all this stuff you got to do as a man for your family, whatever. But I was settling. And so around that story, were you telling yourself, that, that allowed you to make that compromise? I'm just curious. The biggest story I told was that I couldn't possibly succeed as a personal trainer, as a fitness coach in Montana post-recession because the people wouldn't support it. Uh, there wouldn't be enough clientele. I could never make enough money doing it. You know, like all of the, whatever I could think of, I would put that in front of, just do it. You know what I mean? I would put that in front of just take an action. Yeah. So that was the story I was telling. Yeah. yeah. So, so what helped you move past that story? Like what catapulted you from being in that place where you were working construction and telling yourself that's what you had to do to kind of where you are now? Like what, yeah. what helped you make that shift? So around that same time that year, um, I went to go visit my longtime friend, my, my football coach, my mentor, my father figure. Like this man was everything to me. Um, I went to visit him at his house. And this is going to be like the long way around the answer, but here it is. Um, I went to visit him at his house one morning and uh, I got to the front door, started knocking, didn't, ha- didn't hear an answer from him. So I ran around to the side of the house, looked into the garage, noticed his truck was there. So I figured, okay, he's here. Maybe he's just still asleep. So I kept knocking a little bit harder this time, no answer. Um, 
And after a few minutes went by, like my anxiety started to rise. My, my stress level started to rise. I'm starting to think like, okay, this man's like mid sixties, obviously in great shape, but you know, he's a little bit older. So I thought maybe something had happened. And so, um, I ended up doing the only thing that I could think of in that moment. And it was like a, like, like an episode of cops. Like I just kicked the door in with my foot, like as, you know, as hard as I could got into the house um, and immediately just started going around the house, looking for him, calling him. And then I went downstairs into his bedroom after not hearing from him and walked into his bedroom uh, and he was, he was in bed. And so at that time I was like, like I thought something bad had really happened. Like something really bad had happened. So I'm like, coach, wake up, wake up. And I pull the blanket back and he's dead. Oh. And his, like the, the beginning of his death, um, sorry, his death was like the beginning of like the most difficult part of my life because at that time, you know, I, I never really believed in post-traumatic stress. I never really believed in depression because in my head, I thought, you know, we should be able to control our thoughts and our emotions because they're our thoughts and emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was a huge humbling moment for me, and and I'm I'm getting to the answer to your question. I promise. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, but from the time that he died to the next six months, like that short window became like the lowest, darkest, rock bottomest uh, time in my life. And shortly after his death, I just remember not being able to have control over anything. Like I just, I was so shaken up by what had happened that <clears throat> over that time frame, I gained 30 pounds. Um, I stopped exercising. I stopped eating right. I stopped thinking right. I just stopped caring about my body and, and my health. Um, and on top of that, I thought that if I was to just buy things, now remember, I'm making good money. So if I just buy things, stuff, that, uh, that I'd feel better. And so I ended up literally spending every bit of money that I had. I, I had maxed out my credit cards. I had spent all of my savings. Um, I was literally down to no money. And so you can imagine I'm 30 pounds heavier. I've got a house full of stuff, but I'm still unhappy. And in fact, I'm even unhappier now than I was when I started because now I have no money and I have a family that I'm supposed to be taking care of, but yet I'm just buying things. So I'm heavy. (laughs) I have no money. Um, And then I end up losing my job because now I can't focus at work. I can't stay on track. I can't focus on the task. And my boss is like, you know what, man, you got to go. You got to go. So now I've got all three of these things going on. Um, And at this point, I'm engaged. I've been with my daughter's mom for seven years at this point. And prior to all of this happening, I proposed. So I'm engaged. And now, because I can't think straight or or handle myself, um, she she calls off the marriage and asks me to leave the house. Oof. Yeah, tell me about it. Tell me about it. And so it just seems like I just kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And to top all of that off, um, my truck was totaled in a, in a car accident. <laughs> it's like, I, 
The icing and the sprinkles and the cherry on top of the cupcake. Oh, yeah. Like I literally had the, the, the groundwork laid for an award-winning country song yeah, all in exactly. like six months. <laughs> oh, man. You should write it. I know. I should. It would be a top, top seller, I'm sure. Oh, it would. Absolutely. So that's, that's the backstory to the answer to your question, which is right now. Yeah. So one day I get a call. This is six months later. I have nothing. Um, I'm, I'm literally, I'm living at my mom's house. I'm living in her downstairs. And I get a call from my friend, Ryan. And Ryan's like, hey, man, I know a guy that uh, wants to work with a personal trainer right now. He's looking to get in better shape. Do you want the job? Okay, now remember, at this point, I'm 30 pounds overweight. I'm living at my mom's. I have zero money. I'm feeling like right. this, this big. Right. But something in my heart in that moment said, go for it. Do it. Just do it. Just put yourself out there. And it's 2013. Last time I was with a client was about the time that the big recession hit in 08. So I haven't been with a client in five years. Um, and on that phone call, I had my first paying client in five years, you know, in less than 30 seconds in that phone call. And I remember hanging up the phone with Ryan after I committed to it and my stress and anxiety was literally like at this all time high because I had just committed to changing somebody else's life while my own was still in shambles. And for me, the big question was like, how am I going to rise from like the depths of hell <laughs> and perform on a professional level again? Like I just, I just felt so far gone. Yeah. Yeah. So like what fears or challenges did you have to overcome in order to really show up for that first paying client? Well, here's, here's what's ironic about personal training and, and being where I was is that you, it's almost like bad advertising to be out of shape, winded, overweight, but also be trying to coach somebody to better health at the same time. Like you just can't have both. It's bad advertising. Right. 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 So yeah. fraud, the, alert. fraud alert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's hypocritical. And who's going to listen to that? So I think the biggest fears that I had to overcome first was that I needed to, I needed to put past the thought that I could never be where I used to be. I needed to get over the fear of actually just putting myself out there again and regaining control of my health. I needed to get past the fear that um, that I was really just capable of all of it being so far gone and so far removed. And I think as I remember, as soon as I hung up the phone with Ryan, like I, I just, I did the only thing I could think of at the moment, like I've got to get in better shape right now. Like I need to take action this second. So I hung up the phone and I immediately went out into the mountains and just went for a run. And it wasn't a long run because, you know, I'm like 30 pounds overweight. But I got out into the mountains, and that was the first action step that I took in order to regain control of my health. Mm -hmm. And so did it get easier from there, or did you have to kind of keep Ooh. like facing challenges and fears? It is every day. Yeah, it, it didn't get easier from there, and it never does. So I remember like this, the first two weeks of being back out in the mountains and starting to eat right. Um, every day was more challenging than the last for me specifically, because, uh, you know, it sounds great to say that you take the first step and then the next step is easier. And then it, it wasn't that way for me because, uh, I still had all of these negative fears and these beliefs that I could never do it. So every day that I put myself out there, 
uh, it was a great bit of motivation for me to do it, but it just felt like it was getting harder and harder because I was a little bit sore the next day and then the next day. Um, and then I just had all of these thoughts that would creep in. I said, why are you even doing this? Why are you even here? So no, it didn't get easier for me. It got harder. But what did get easier was the minute that I started noticing the little changes, those little changes gave me the most motivation and the most encouragement and confidence to continue the process. And those little things for me were sleeping a little bit better. Um, another big win for me was whenever I would go out into the mountains, remember like I'm, I'm in my lowest point of my life. And so 24 hours out of the day, I'm thinking terribly. But the one time during my day that I get to go out into the woods is like that little bit of clarity, that little bit of freedom. And that was huge for me that I could be out there and not have to think about anything negative in my head. It was, it was freedom. Awesome. Yeah. So are you still, do you find that you're still kind of like wrestling with monkey mind and negative thoughts and stuff, or do you feel like you're kind of over that? Well, and that's something that I coach a lot on is like, I think the, the belief out there, like the, the broad belief is that if somebody has like negative thoughts or these beliefs that tell them that they're less than, um, I think like the, the broad idea is that if you just keep thinking positive, they'll go away. Mm -hmm. Like they'll just end up just moving out of the house and never come back. I don't think that's the way it is. I think that, I think that those beliefs will always be there. But the difference is that when you learn how to shift away from those negative thoughts and beliefs, that's when you regain control, regain power over them. I think they're always there, but we just need to be conscious of when they show up so that we can deal with them accordingly. Cool. Yeah. And so I still get them today, to be honest. Thank you for being honest. I think yeah. a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't want to admit that it's kind of an ongoing struggle. Right. And um, right. yeah, I mean, I, I think being alive is all about learning and growing and peeling away the next layer, peeling away the next layer. Yes. You know, I mean, sometimes it's like, really? Yes. <laughs> but yes. yeah. So like, tell me, like, what is your vision? Like, what kind of difference do you want to make in the world now that you're kind of shifted away from this place and you feel like you're more in control of the way you know you're creating your life and you're living your life so like what what's your vision for life now okay so coming out of this hole um you know uh, let me put it to you like this let me paint a little picture have you ever been water skiing oh yeah <laughs> okay so picture me like overweight out of shape feeling like crap and I'm sitting in the water and I got this boat that's trying to pull me up onto my skis. Like I'm in that kind of hole and it takes so much for this boat to power me up out of the hole to get up onto the water. Like that's how, that's how I felt is like, I was so heavy and so low that it was going to take everything I had to come out. And when I finally did get up on the skis, like that was the, the most confident I've ever felt in my entire life. And that was really when I put together this vision of what I had for my life. And so um, it's, it's quite ambitious. Um, I'd like to help 100 million people. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so the, the vision question is one that I'm really passionate about. I'd like to help 100 million people lead a more meaningful, healthy-minded, and physically fit lifestyle. Cool. Yep. So what are the ways you plan to do that aside from 
sort of like, I know, I know you're doing coaching with entrepreneurs around yes. sort of fitness and health, but what are some of the other things you're doing to reach that sort of like hundred million mark? Like that's I know. amazing. I know it's a lot. It's a lot yeah. for sure. So yeah, like what a great vision. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the biggest ways I'm doing it or the, the, the mediums that I see to do it on are podcasts, which is coming soon. Um, I would like to write a book in the near future as well. All of my videos that I do some from, tips on that. Yes, you can. I'll definitely make sure I'm coming to you for it. Um, I do video series for Facebook, for YouTube, for all of my social channels. And through the videos um, is one major way that I'm able to reach so many different people. Um, but another way I can really help to reach is through my courses and my coaching and because I'm specifically working with entrepreneurs and high performers, people that also have large audiences, you know, if I can help one entrepreneur help grow his audience or help improve his life or her life so that he can share with his or her audience, then my whole hundred million vision is, you know, is doubled or tripled because now I'm helping a group of people. And so that's one of the biggest reasons why I want to work with people in that space, in the high performer entrepreneur space. Yeah, I was kind of wondering, like, what's with the entrepreneur thing? But now yeah. I get it. That's yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah, absolutely. If I can help one person, they're going to help a ton of people. So right, right, right. cool. So absolutely. tell me about like the work you do with young people because I oh, find that really interesting. I okay. So working with kids is like one of the the biggest, uh, most rewarding things I do. And I'm a competitor on American Ninja Warrior. It's a show on NBC that uh, showcases athletes from all over the country. And we do all of these crazy monkey obstacles where you're hanging by your fingertips or swinging around. It's crazy. Um, But my first season that I was there, I remember being a nobody on the show. Like nobody knew who I was. I was just a guy behind the set warming up. And I remember as I'm warming up, I have one of the hosts and Matt comes down and he's like, hey, Holguin, there's a couple kids out here that want to talk to you. And so remember, nobody knows who I am, but I go out and talk to these kids and they're just struck by by me being there. And I just thought that was so powerful for them to not even know who I was, to be so impacted by a show and by a movement um, that I wanted to be able to bring that experience back to my community. And so what I did is I created a program called Ninja Kids. And Ninja Kids is what first started out as just me showing kids how to do obstacles that they would see on TV, turned out to be a full-blown mentorship program for young kids age 7 to 11. And so the work that I do with them is we just talk about real things. Like when, when the parents bring the kids in, um, I just ask the parents, I ask them, what are they struggling with most right now? What do you feel like they need the most guidance on, the most mentoring on? And then I ask the kids. And so we just have these real discussions every time they come in. And I just ask them, you know, what's going on in their life right now? And most of the time, kids are struggling with um, being bullied with um, spending too much time on social media or not knowing the dangers and the benefits of social media. They struggle with self-confidence, self-esteem. And so we just talk about this stuff because I think that a lot of times, especially in the area that I live in, there isn't enough guidance and teaching on the soft skills, the emotional intelligence, the social intelligence. 
And so yeah. if I can provide that for them, then they're just going to be so much uh, greater leaders as they grow up. Yeah. I have to say that like every time you post a story or a video about like the work you're doing with the kids, it just like makes me yes. Because God, this is what kids need, right? Need like, yes. like you and I are doing that for our own kids as parents, right? Although I'm at 21, there's some, you know, my son doesn't quite need me the same way, but still your like, baby. Yeah, he is. He's always going to be my baby, right? But, you know, kids crave that. They need it. And it's stuff that most parents don't talk to their kids about yes. because they they may not know what kind of guidance and advice to give them. But I just think it's so amazing that you just keep it so real with these kids. And it's so clear to me that there's a real hunger for that from them. And the other thing that I love that you do with kids is you get them to mentor each other. Right. Absolutely. So oh, it's yeah. not just this on the adult. I know I'm going to tell you it's about fostering leadership among the kids and getting them to collaborate and cooperate and mentor each other. Like and to me, that is like so amazing because a lot of times it's kids are on the receiving end of what we adults think they quote need. But kids know what they need and they know how to give it to each other. They just sometimes need some facilitation. So like I think the work you're doing with kids is like so mega inspiring to me. Like, God, it just makes me so happy. I think it's great that you're working with adults too, but like, I just, I just feel like there's this real hunger yes. among kids to really get like real life stuff from us adults, you know? Yeah. And so the fact that you can be honest about like that, that whole story you told about fear of heights and how you landed on your back and then you landed on your face and you climbed up the cliff again and your friends are just like, Oh man, give up. It's okay. And you're like, no, yeah. I'm going to do this. Like, you know, it. you have no idea how that's going to impact them <laughs> the next day, the next week, the next month, five years from now, you know, it's like, you know, you're giving them such a gift by giving them yourself in this sort of like raw, honest form doing you know, like you're being fully present with them. And I just think that's so freaking amazing I appreciate that yeah I appreciate that yeah I love I love it just is so inspiring to look at the stuff you're doing with the kids well I'm just gonna keep doing it as long as I can because it brings me so much joy to to do that yeah and it's clear I mean like you you like even right now you're like lit up it's so yeah, yeah it's great to see you on fire with this stuff thank you so speaking of your work with adults, you just won an award for being the best fitness coach in Montana, didn't you? Yes, I did. I did. How'd that feel? Um, so that, that felt really good. Um, the cool thing is with where I'm at, there, there are a lot of different fitness coaches here all over the state. Montana, although we may not have the same population as some of these bigger cities, um, there are still a ton of people here and there's a lot of fitness that goes on in Montana. And so um, when I got the the email about that, uh, I was ecstatic. I thought that was great. And I, what's cool about it too is that I had got letters from a few people that I hadn't seen or worked with in years. Just send me messages out of the blue saying, "Hey, congratulations for this." Um, you know, and I keep those letters in a drawer in case I ever need to go back and look yeah. on them. You know, for inspiration. But that felt really good to know. Um, that my message is getting out there and that people are listening and people are learning. And um, yeah, it, yeah, it was great motivation. Yeah. Well, and it's just funny because, you know, a few minutes ago, you're talking about how like, oh, I here I am. I'm, who am I to be a fitness coach? I'm never going to make it, right? right? Like, 
and here you are getting this amazing award, right? So exactly. I, just, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so all those beliefs that were going through my head about not being able to make it, you yeah. know, it, there's yeah. lies. They're lies. Yeah. So that was pretty incredible. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so okay. what inspires you? I think that one of the biggest things that I draw my inspiration from is the mountains, to be honest with you, because um, I remember when I was at like this really low spot in my life that we talked about earlier and the one thing that allowed me to have freedom from all of that negativity and everything that I was feeling was just being able to reconnect and spend time in nature. And that's when I found that I was able to draw the majority of my inspiration, my creativity, my, my ideas for what I wanted to do and, and all of that. So I would say that the mountains for sure. And then the next thing that falls in line after that would just be the underdog because I feel like for the majority of my life, um, I've been an underdog. I've been the kid that was bullied. I've been the the undersized kid, the freckle faced kid that didn't really have, you know, a lot of friends. And so I like to rally and associate with those people as well. Cool. Yeah. Um, who are some of the people that you respect and admire and look up to and why? Um, I think the biggest person that comes to mind right off the bat is Coach C. Um, and that was the man that we talked about earlier, the man that, that was my best friend and mentor that I lost. But I respect that man so much because not only has he come from like such a decorated past and, and things that he's been able to work through, but he's just been such a model father, a model leader, a model coach and athlete. And like all of these things that I want to be, he has already done. And so to me, that was just a huge inspiration to have this man so close to me and him just willing to download all of that into me as well. So Coach C is definitely the man. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's so great you had someone in your life like that. And, and you know, like we were talking about earlier off camera, um, it, it just kind of fell into place that way. I just so happened to show up to a practice one day where he just so happened to be there as a first year coach and we just hit it off like that. And so, yeah, yeah there are no, there are no accidents for sure. <laughs> right. People come into your life for a reason, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes they leave for a reason too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yep. You know, I think about when I'm working with my clients and we spend all of this time together and, and we learn from each other and, and they're able to get to this point where, they feel like they need me and I need them in, in our lives to, to continue on. And then all of a sudden we get to this point where it's like, you know what? We can separate. I can still be here for you, but we can go our separate ways. And I think it's in that moment where it's like, okay, this is happening for a reason. Like we need to go our separate ways to show each other that we can do just fine with all of the knowledge that we've already learned from each other. And I think that that's just part of the cycle. And, uh, and I'm really yeah. grateful for yeah. Well, yeah. it also makes room for somebody new to step in, right? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and then it goes to like, sort of my next question is sort of like, what are your long-term goals and like, what do you want to do? And um, who do you want to help? Like, so I know you have this massive goal of like yeah. all these people. So like with people leaving and moving on, that's actually really cool. Cause that helps you have that kind of impact 
you want to have, right? So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and part of like one of the big goals I have is like you just said to help a lot of people. Like a hundred million is is the goal. Um, but when I know that when I focus on people that are in a in a leadership position, people that are in business or our coaches, I know that even though I just helped that one person, that once we go our separate ways, they're going to continue to help other people and help other people, and so everything just compounds from there downhill. And so um, I know for a fact that if I can just continue to help, even if it's just one person at a time, that what we learn together is going to get passed on to their clients and the people in their own circle as well. Yeah. And I also think sometimes it can be really hard to kind of gauge your impact because, you know, I, I was thinking about like, like, God, that story you put on Instagram this morning with that father and the son reunited. I was like yeah. bawling my eyes out. Absolutely. And, Same here. Yeah. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like my father was there, but there were some limitations that he had in terms of being able to be present. Um, yes. And, and so even though physically he was there, I think in a lot of ways, emotionally, he was not there. Gotcha. Um, so I think that's why I was like, really like bawling over it. Like, Oh, cause it was resonating really strongly for me but like even things like that you have you and I have no idea like what that did for somebody else you know what I mean I, like yes you know but I and I think you and I are similar in this it's just you know have we have this commitment to just putting positivity out into the world yeah because we know yeah. it's gonna even if it only touches one person like that's all that matters you know yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely it mattered that for that one person yeah 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 exactly yeah. And, and that story that I posted, um, you know, that affected me in so many different ways. And, and what I didn't add in that post is that, you know, my father and I are really close today. Like we made amends. Yeah. I definitely had more on my end that I had to work through, but yeah. um, he's a huge part of my life now. And so I, I think that I'm, I'm really grateful for that because a lot of people don't get to reconcile, you know, their fathers right. never come back. Um, so I'm just, I'm just grateful to have him in my life now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have a same thing for me. Like my my dad and I are really really close, and I oh, okay. see him once a month. Yeah, he nice. lives. Uh, yeah, he lives eight hours away in Maryland. Um, okay, but yeah, I've, he's eighty four and he's not doing great. Um, right. So I just have made this commitment to go down and see him every single month. Gotcha. So, yeah, I've been doing that since April, and it just I don't know. There's just something like that being with him that frequently and I go down, I try to go down for like four or five days at a time and just kind of being with him in for not any particular special occasion, but just like helping him do stuff around the house yeah. or, you know, going with him to the dump to take his garbage or whatever. is like, I don't know. It's, it kind of reminds me back to the relationship that he and I had when I was a kid, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he, I played on all these soccer teams and, he was the one that drove me to practice. And like when I was on the state team in Pennsylvania, our practice yeah. was an hour and a half away from the house. Wow. So, yeah. He would drive me an hour and a half each way twice a week. And wow. then drove me to wow. all the tournaments and like paid all my uniform and league fees and plane fare for like when I went to national tournaments and stuff. So like it kind of just now I feel like I'm kind of getting him back at a level where I did when I was a kid. So it's kind of cool. Well, and what's special about that is even all these years later, you yeah. remember the little things that he did, like drive you 90 minutes to a practice twice a week. You know what I mean? Yeah, that wasn't little. That was huge. Yeah. <laughs> but even things yeah. like just taking you to practice are, are so important. And, yeah. and 
after talking with you as much as I have, like I realize that you have a high level of awareness and I can imagine that the, the relationship that you guys used to have where maybe he wasn't as present as you would have liked him to be. I would imagine that that has made you more aware of the fact of how important it is to be that for your son. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I see your posts with your son and you're, you're always so happy to be out to lunch with him or be spending time with him. Like that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I do really like the whole reason I started my company is because I became a single parent when he was two. You know? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Oh yeah. Yep. So I've been a single mom since he was two years old. He's 21 now. Okay. And I just got tired of the rat race. You know what I mean? Like I just felt yes. like I was rushing to daycare, dropping him off, rushing to my job, getting through my day, rushing back from there to daycare, coming home, like trying to like make dinner, unpack the lunch boxes, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And like, yes. you know, getting him to bed, but kind of rushing through all of it and not being present because yes. it was always about what's the next thing on my to-do list. And I right. remember one time I was doing laundry at like one o'clock in the morning and I just like had this total breakdown, like crying, like I cannot believe this is my life. <laughs> like I just remember sitting on the basement floor sobbing, thinking like, okay, I this isn't how I want to move forward. Like, this is not, this is not like the next chapter of my life. Can't look like this. This is just like Like doing laundry one o'clock in the morning is serving no one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But more more underwear the next day, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but not, not anything that, that you'd be proud of in the long term. No. Yeah. Yeah. So like for me, starting my company was about, being able to live my life the way I wanted to live it and putting parenting first and really being able to be present with my son. Right. Which is so important. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get one shot as a parent, you know, and like, I think this is one of the gifts my dad kind of gave me, not even directly, but like he was a lawyer and he he used to work like 80 hours a week. Yeah. You know? And um, that I just, for me, it was like, I appreciate how hard he worked because, you know, he put me, my older brother, me and my twin brother through college. None of us had to take out loans. Wow. Yeah. Like so much gratitude for that, you know? And, you know, so it's, I have a lot of respect and admiration for how hard he worked to make things like that possible. And that was not what I wanted for me. You know, I just wasn't willing to, and not to say I've never put in an 80 hour week, but you know, yes. um, it's on my terms and my time, not, you know, so that I could rearrange and shuffle things. I didn't have to go ask a boss. Oh, can I go to the orchard today with my son's kindergarten? Exactly. Class? exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that freedom is so special. Um, I remember last, it was actually now it was about two years ago. Um, I was working a very similar schedule to what you just described, like long hours, even though I was still working in personal training and coaching, um, I was working like 45, 50 hour weeks because I was just trying to take on as much as I could to catch up for everything that I had missed or that I thought I had missed. Um, and my kid had daycare or excuse me, not daycare. Um, she had volunteer days on Thursday and I couldn't go to the volunteer days because I was swamped at work. And I remember when I finally got to this point where I was making enough money, um, I finally took off Tuesdays and Thursdays from being with clients. And having that little bit of freedom to just walk in that first day to 
to her volunteer day um, was like such a huge moment in my life. Like I just sat right outside the door before I went into the building underneath the flagpole. And I just like had to record a video on it because I was just feeling really grateful. And uh, it was just such a, a good moment to finally be able to say that I'm going to call the shots in my life now. And it begins today. Right. Right. And that's just such a good feeling. Yeah. Well, and the, and the thing that like when I catch myself, you know, telling myself stories like that, it's like, oh, like I could have like gotten rid of this story a long time ago. <laughs> it's like, yes. The story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes it's just like I just want to, you know. Uh. <laughs> but right. um, yeah, I mean, we we come to awareness when we come to awareness. But um, right. yeah, it just it's like when I discover stuff like that, I'm like, oh, another story. Oh, another yeah. story. Because yeah. like honestly, we can honestly do whatever we want, whenever we want. Like that sure. are always in choice every minute of every day, you know? So, right. so, you know, it's not like I'm going to tell everybody, Oh yeah, quit your job and, you know, go live like a hippie or whatever. But you know, right. like you have a lot more choice than you think you do, you know, and a sure. lot more power than you think you do. And right. Right. And you have the opportunity to either live in this place of freedom or you have this place of the opportunity to live in this place of fear. And obviously you know, freedom is the way that we all want to live. But so many of us choose to live in fear because, um, you know, either it was ingrained in us from an early age, or we've just got to this point where we don't feel like we're capable of doing anything. And like, that has been my story for the majority of my life. Yeah. And I completely understand it. But if we can just take one minute to just think about the possibility of what if, you know, that could be a really powerful thing to bring awareness around that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I wonder, like when you're saying that, like, do you run into that a lot with your clients in terms of the, that, that they hit these sort of barriers that they think are there and it turns out they're not really barriers? Yeah, absolutely. I think that probably every one of them that come to me in the beginning have some sort of like fear-based lifestyle that they're living. Um, And most of the time it's the fear that what am I going to do with my ideal body and this ideal lifestyle that I want to lead? Will I be able to maintain it? You know, that's the, that's the big scare for everybody is, okay, this is great that I'm, that I'm working with you, but can I maintain? Mm-hmm. So at that point, you know, we have to be able to shift away from that mindset of fear and kind of venture into the land of possibility. And, and, and so that's usually where we start. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. So where do you want to be in like a year, two years? I know you're a short-term planner, so I don't want to go too far down the road here, but yeah. So where do you, what are some of your, your goals and aspirations for the next couple of years? All right. Well, I'll give you a personal goal that that's coming up pretty soon for me in the next four months. Um, I'm going to be traveling to South America to climb Machu Picchu. It's a Incan, ancient Incan civilization at the high, high mountain. Um, and so I'm really excited about that coming up. But what's going to be cool about that is at that point, I'm going to be able to just be entirely full-time online. Um, I'm not going to have to be at any one place any longer. And so I'm going to be able to be in South America and be able to run my business and still have the same level of impact. So I'm really excited to be able to be entirely online at that point and still be able to travel and do all of these things that I want. So. So that's, that's what comes to mind first. But I think like one of the, the bigger goals that I'm working towards right now is getting to this point where I can 
I can just be creating more content based on helping high performers get the body of their dreams, have their ideal lifestyle. Um, I want to be able to just develop more of a system that's going to allow me to, um, to make that happen. And so that's what I'm excited about. I'm working with a new team. I just brought on two other people that are going to help me do that as well. So I'm excited. Team Dan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 That's, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think, you know, thinking about like, what does the whole process look like and, 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 you know, how do you get somebody from like A to B and then when they've gotten to a certain point, how do you take them to the next level and the next, like, yeah, yeah I mean, I, it's so funny cause I'm thinking about very similar things in my own business about doing way more speaking and training and less of the one-on-one stuff and, right. you know, directing people to my online content. Yeah. So yeah. It, and for me, it's more about, you know, doing more of the change makers playground, you know, like yeah. getting out Which there. Which I love the idea of, by the way. Yeah. Uh, thanks. It. Thanks. I'm actually really juiced about it. It's like, yeah. Every person I interview is like, gets me so excited. Like, oh, look at <laughs> all this great stuff that's going on in the world. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just feel like the world just needs this. It needs this injection of positivity, you know? So, um, well, we need, we need more leaders too. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, like we were just talking about a minute ago when you were talking about your, your laundry at 1am story, like so <laughs> many people live in this place of either focusing on the, the past or focusing on the future and not right here in the moment. And I think that having that awareness needs to come from more leaders teaching it to us. And so yeah. I see that Changemakers Playground is going to do a lot for people to raise that awareness. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually had a really cool moment in my class yesterday where, you know, talk about like mask off. Right. So yeah. um, I'm, the part of the course we're in now is about kind of like social enterprise and how nonprofits can create, you know, little businesses to support, you know, create revenue. And so I made them go off and research like little social ventures and like, just think about building one for their organization. So they had to do like a little presentation on the social entrepreneur they had found. And this one woman found this group called um, Headbands for, for Hope, or maybe it's Headbands of Hope. Anyway, it's this um, woman who sells headbands online. And for every headband you buy, a little girl who's undergoing cancer treatment gets a headband. Cool. And there's like, yeah, it's so cool. And cool. yeah, like just amazing, right? Like little girl's lost her hair. She gets a beautiful <laughs> headband, right? It's just- I love like, that. I know. So my student is up there. She has a four-year-old daughter. She's crying because she's like, oh, I think about like, what if this was my daughter? And like, so then she's crying. So now I'm crying. Other people <laughs> in the class are crying. I was like, okay. So, you know, there goes my prophecy. <laughs> but um, yeah. And I had an honest conversation with them about like being in the nonprofit sector and like self-care and how you know, when you're in the nonprofit sector, your energy is constantly going out, 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 out. Right. And like how important it is for you to say no, not bring work home, do things even at your desk yes. a couple times a day, whether it's getting up and stretching or going and getting yourself a cup of tea or putting in your earbuds and listening to an inspirational podcast for five minutes or some beautiful music or closing your eyes, like whatever it is, you need to like feed your soul. <laughs> or you're yeah. just going to go to burnout. And um, 
you know, I, you know, just, I know you go out to the mountains when you're like, that's your fuel. Right. So, yes. you know, encouraging people to find that for themselves and like their, their happy spaces and spots. Yeah, definitely. And I think that one way that we can do it on a small scale, like you were just talking about being at your desk um, and going from task to task, I think that one way that we can really kind of bring a little bit of peace within and generate more energy so that we can make this long term is how we handle the transitions from our day to day life. So let me give you an example. Like when you wake up in the morning and you're lying in bed and you're just kind of coming to your senses, right when you go to say, go to the bathroom or get up, that's a transition. When you're sitting at your desk and you finish one task and you're transitioning to the next task, that's another transition. And so if you think about like all of these things that we do throughout our day, there's transitions between each one. And I think that one way that we can make sure that we're bringing our best intention and, and our, our best focus to that next task is by just like taking a moment before we transition and just like thinking about for like, even if it's like 60 seconds, just thinking about, okay, I'm going to release everything right now and just let go of all of the energy, all of the focus that I had on this last task. And I'm just going to let that go right now. And so you could repeat a phrase and it could be, it could just be like release or let it go. Like I personally just repeat, let it go in my head over and over. And it may sound kind of like hippie trust fall ish, uh, but if I can just take a minute to focus on releasing everything that I just focused on for a minute and then taking another minute right after that and thinking, okay, now that I've released this, how do I want to show up in this next task? How do I want to best prepare myself for this next task? And what I've found is by taking those two minutes to let it go and then refocus on how I want to show up it's really allowed me to bring my best intention and my best foot forward into it. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to say that. <laughs> and, and like I said, like it sounds hippie-ish, but it, yeah. I mean, it works, it works and it works for me. So yeah. Well, um, you know what it reminds me of, and this is probably a weird analogy, but it reminds me of the palate cleansers at restaurants, right? So you oh, have one okay. course and they bring you this like palate cleanser, which is usually like a, some sort of sorbet. And it like yeah. clears your palate for the next course so you can be Perfect. fully present and enjoy that next course, right? So right. that's right. what and it you is. Know, You're doing right. <laughs> exactly. And you don't have any leftovers from the previous. Exactly. You've cleared yeah. it all out. Yeah, I'm gonna start doing that. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah. So what lessons or thoughts do you want to share with people? I think. The first thing that comes to my mind is, um, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier when this year, when I won the award for best trainer in Montana, um, Yay. yeah, it, it was great. Right. But what was a, a big lesson for me in that moment was leading up to that point before I got back into coaching and personal training, I never believed that living in the state that I do that people would support this vision, that people would support the idea of me being a coach. Um, and I lived in this place of like not feeling worthy enough of having it. And then to see it actually happen just like two or three years after I started was such a huge realization that I think I'm capable of more than I think. And maybe instead of just putting myself down and, and holding myself back, that if I just like step into this realm of possibility, 
that maybe if my efforts are focused and consistent, that these things can happen. And so the first one would just be to to just realize that you're capable of so much more than you currently believe. And if you just put one foot forward or just take one extra step, I think that it can really make a difference in how you see yourself and what it is you're trying to accomplish. And then another one, um, it's actually just happened. I was, I was just in Jamaica and um, I had gone up to this village and this village probably had just a couple hundred people. It was about 40 miles from town. There was no Wi-Fi. There's no water heaters. Like it was very primitive. And I had came with a friend of mine and all of a sudden it just started downpouring like crazy. You know how it is in the Caribbean. Like these storms just come out of nowhere. So there's this group of young kids, probably like five or six year old kids. And they had just got out of school and they're just super cute. Like they all had like the same uniforms on and, and cute little backpacks. And as it started raining, all of these kids, there was probably about 12 of them all ran underneath. Um, like this awning to to protect themselves from the rain. And so did myself and my friend. Now, if you can think of uh, a village in Jamaica in the hills, I would imagine that these kids probably hadn't seen many people that weren't black because of the way that they were looking at me and I could feel there was a little bit of tension there. And I had to figure out a way to break the ice with these kids, okay? And I'm getting to the lesson, I promise. I had to figure out a way to break the ice with these kids. And obviously the roads aren't paved. So there's just a a gravel road. So I grab a rock that I found on the ground and I put this rock in my hand and I have both of my hands closed and I called all of the kids over to where I was and I opened up both of my hands and in one of them was a rock and the other one there wasn't. So I closed my hands and I started just like moving my hands around, putting them behind my back. And then I said, okay, Which hand is the rock in? And one of the kids pointed to one of the hands and I opened it up and there was the rock. And they all just exploded like it was the coolest thing they'd ever seen. And after a couple minutes of playing this game with these kids, they started picking up rocks off the ground or they were having me hand them a rock one at a time until every kid had a rock. And by that time, all of the kids were moving their hands around and putting them behind their back and playing the game with each other. And then they wanted to play the game with me. And so I'm, I'm picking hands from all of these different kids that had just two minutes ago uh, been really standoffish with me. And here's the lesson, is that kids nowadays are looking for someone to look up to. Like we all want to believe in something. We all want to be led to something. And I think that if we can just take an extra moment to realize that kids are listening and watching and learning from us in so many more ways than we realize. And it's so important that we are really conscious about how we carry ourselves, how we present ourselves, and how we show up for them in our life. Yeah. And it was just a powerful realization for me, like right in that moment to see that something as simple as a, you know, a little magic trick with a rock can inspire somebody to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, we've talked about this already, but I just, I love the way you are with youth. I just, I love the fact that you're just real with them and authentic and vulnerable and you just, you're so present with them, you know? And, um, and it's so clear to me. I mean, just like, the notes they write to you and oh yes yeah right I mean 
doesn't that just make your day? It makes your life, right? Like absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I just I I just love it when people can just really get real with kids and be real with kids because they're so hungry for that. They are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh I remember I I was talking to my son when he was about 12, 13, and I was talking to him about some stuff that was a little bit heavy. And he's like, why didn't you tell me this like three years ago when I was 10? <laughs> and I was like, well, because I thought you probably weren't kind of ready to listen to this at 10. He goes, oh, no, I could have totally listened to this at 10. <laughs> yeah. Another reminder that, you know, kids can handle more than we think they can. Absolutely. Um, and they're developing at such a quicker pace than we did, you know? know. <laughs> I mean, just just today, uh, Daisha, my kid, had the birds and the bees talk, and she's ten. Yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, it's important to have those conversations when they're young. Yeah. I, yeah. Did you have the talk with her? I did not. Uh. I didn't have the talk. No, I didn't. <laughs> but I will definitely add to it once I see her again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've always been super open with Christopher about everything. That's great. Um, yeah. And even now when he's 21, like he just started dating somebody about a mm, year and a half ago. And the first time he wanted her to sleep over, I sat them down and I was having very frank discussions with them about yes. like, I'm, I'm not, I know exactly what's going on up there. And I want to make sure <laughs> that you're both pretty clear about being responsible about like, this is a no baby zone. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I got too much going on for grandkids at this moment. I am too young to be a grandma. Absolutely. Yeah, but I've been having that conversation with him and his current girlfriend who I'm when, you know, because my friends are like, you let her sleep over? I'm like, they're going to do it in the backyard in the car. Like, they might as well just just be real that it's happening and have open conversations about it. But, you know, like, you know, his girlfriend was kind of like looking at him like, I can't believe your mother's talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what's great about that is he is going to be that way with his kids. Yeah. You know, because you were so open and that cycle yeah. will continue to repeat itself, which is great. You know, right. so I right. think that's awesome that you're that you're willing to do that. Yeah. And you know, I just I just want him to be comfortable in his own body. I want him to be yes. comfortable with his sexuality. I want him yes. I want his partners to like I want him to be a good sexual partner, like, you yes. know, the women on yeah. the receiving end, you know, like I and I I want him to really so I've always talked to him about condoms, consent, and communication. You know, like yes. I like that. From the time he was probably 10. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, when he was young enough to look at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get in here early. I'm going to get in That's here. That's awesome. Yeah. But um, yeah. And like, unfortunately, he ended up with a an STD. We'll probably edit this out of the video. But, sure. um, you know, the summer before last, he like just came down and told me what was going on. Very matter of factly, very open with me. And I said, wow. Sounds like you should go see your doctor because it sounds like yeah. you have a urinary tract infection or an STT. Neither yeah. of you want. So yeah. um, he like called his pediatrician. He didn't have any shame about it. You know, and then he went and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I have this. And they put him on, you know, uh, moxicillin or whatever. And he was fine. And I said, OK, yeah. you have to talk to your girlfriend because this is clearly where you got it, which yes. means she's a carrier and she needs to get treated. 
I said, and you remember the conversations we've had about condoms? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mom was right. That's right. This is why I'm not going to say I told you so, but you yeah. know, um, <laughs> but it just was like, to me, like that was such, uh, even though I, you know, nobody wants their kid to have an STD. It was like such a great reflection of our relationship that he could just come down into the kitchen yes. that morning tell me what was going on with his body, not feel any shame about it, call his doctor, talk to his girlfriend about it in a really mature way. Yes. Um, like, it was just like, I was like, yeah, this is what I want for him, you know? Yes. So I'm, I'm glad the, the talk has started when she's 10. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause she's tall and beautiful. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, dude, the next five years are going to kill you. (laughs) Thank you for the reminder. Yeah. (laughs) Breathe. That's all I have to say. Just breathe. You will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing my best. I know. You always do. (laughs) Thank you. So are there any specific, like, calls to action you want to make to people who are watching this video? You know, I would just love to be able to connect with people watching on social media. I think that's one of the best ways to get in touch with me right now. Um, I'm most active on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. So if you want to connect with me, you can visit me on any one of those three sites just by typing in my name, Dan Holglin. Um, you want to spell on that Facebook, Yeah. So it's just Dan, D-A-N. And my last name's tricky. So it's like... That's why I figured. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's H-O-L-G-U-I-N. And I do a a video series on Facebook on a regular basis. I also do one on YouTube as well. But yeah, connect with me on any one of those platforms. I would love to hear what you had to say about the the episode today and and just be able to to talk with you a little bit. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me. Yes, absolutely. It's a total blast. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much. Nice to be appreciated. Yes. All right, Dan. Have a great day. And thanks for, um, you know, re-recording this with me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no problem. No (laughs) problem. Great. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Yeah, you too. All right. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Changemakers Playground today. I hope you're feeling as inspired as I am by the work that our Changemakers are doing. Stay tuned for future episodes. And remember, each one of us has the power to be a change maker.